nothing like having a little bit of shredding beautiful metal music to start off with a stream i'm sorry guys if that's not your thing but thank you guys all so much for being here i can take these off don't need the music anymore thank you so much for being here welcome in everyone so glad that you're here as my wife pointed out i i start off every show with saying that i'm so glad that you guys are spending your time here tuning in to the mr murk of the bearded truth show i'm of course jason lyon your neighborhood friendly libertarian talking about politics and social issues one liberty at a time and i want to thank you guys for being here as we discuss tonight the grand topic of the constitution i do want to point out a comment from the comment section uh caution extremist content governmental supervision advised yes uh, the government would like to supervise this. The government would like to change up what we're talking about. They would not like to arm you and equip you with the constraints that have been placed upon them to ensure that you guys don't know what they are limited to um, by the confinements of what we're going to be talking about in this show tonight. So there's a lot of good stuff here. And yes, as Jimmy said, share, share, share. As you guys, I appreciate each and every one of you guys helping out the stream by liking, by commenting, by sharing, by interacting in any way, in every way that you guys are. I love you and I appreciate you all so much. Uh, first, want to start off with saying some big thank yous to Muddy Waters Media for Matt and Spike for creating or for being a part of this fantastic show or this platform for allowing me to come on here to air my grievances with y'all as protected by the first amendment um to be able to discuss these topics it couldn't be done without matt and spike uh running this fantastic platform and uh so so excited to be here so honored to be allowed to be on these these waves these airwaves or these technological waves they're not even airwaves anymore if, if you're on your wi-fi it's airwaves there we go there's my loophole um some other quick things. I have 24 hours without smoking a cigarette. So I joined the Muddy Water crew and I am now actually vaping. So <laughs> we've got some changes coming along. And I'm excited to see as we continue to change, as we continue to develop, as we continue to embolden our knowledge as and and our arguments and our discussion points of being able to make a difference in the communities around us um a lot of people have had issues in saying that the libertarians are never going to get elected well we have hundreds of libertarians elected right now but the more important thing arguably is that our arguments have been working that we've been able to change up the talking points from Republicans and Democrats of getting them on board with us, even if they do in some ways bastardize what we talk about. So we will work towards a smaller government. We will work towards an accountable government and a responsible government. And we'll do it by any means necessary. And if that means coming here to Muddy Waters Media and checking out myself on Monday nights, Spike and Matt on Tuesdays, Spike on Wednesdays, Matt on Thursday, and of course, Eskimo and Cajun on Fridays, and then that's what we will do. And we will continue to work on these endeavors in any way possible in order to make these positive changes. So a big thank you again to Muddy Waters Media for allowing me the opportunity 
to hit these airwaves with you all. I appreciate each and every one of you guys taking some time, hopping in here, liking the stream, interacting with the stream, and sharing the stream. It means a lot. And of course, if you guys are are interesting and taking interested in taking this on the go, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast apps. But of course, you can go to anchor.fm slash muddied waters and you can always do the call-in moment which will be aired on Tuesday nights. And of course you can find us on Facebook where we stream live. You can find us on YouTube where we stream live. You can find us on float on Twitter, on Periscope. I mean, just, just countless ways you can find us and enjoy the content that we continue to produce for you guys week in and week out. Um, does anyone else watch on two platforms at the same time? I'm, I'm sure there are some people that do. I've seen some, some chatters that will, um, chat in one and chat in the other. Um, but thankfully when you're here on the Mr. Murka, the bearded truth show on Monday nights, I allow for the chat to be there on the screen. So you guys can see as, as people from YouTube and everything else chatting it up. Thank you, Janice. She said, congrats on giving up the cigarettes. It's. It wasn't hard at all. I mean, when you got some fruity blue raspberry ice. Um, But yes, tonight we are going to be discussing the Constitution. And this is something that um, I still feel... I still feel like I'm I'm well versed in, despite the fact that I have not been um, very active in utilizing it in in a lot of day to day arguments and and such forth, um, because I've kind of fallen away from the idea that it it it's necessary anymore, um, because the main premise that we have with the Constitution when it's used in conduct today is not to ensure that what government is doing stays within the confinements of the constitution but rather whenever your political opponents is doing something outside of the constitution occasionally it'll be brought up in order to be used as a stop sign so um it's it's one of those things that is not regarded in high regards by any means but it's important for us as we look out at our federal government and how they've been conducting themselves to give it an actual measuring stick to see if it's passing or if it's failing and certainly when we dive into the conversation tonight you guys will realize they have not been passing by any amount um but this is, of course, why we're libertarians, because we are willing to put a measuring stick to anything and we will see just how much and how big of a failure um, our, our force upon us government is. So tonight I want to start off with some fun stuff, some fun stuff about the Constitution, some stuff that you guys may not have known. Right. So, of course, the Constitution was written in, 19, or in 1787. So, and it was signed on September 17th, 1787. So just 13 years after our Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 1776. So it took us 13 years. Did it take them 13 years to write the Constitution? No, it took them only about three and a half months. Three and a half months it took for them to come together in a sweaty, sweaty area. Uh, of course, there was no air conditioning. Um, they boarded up the walls because they wanted to do it in secret. Because they couldn't let the king know, and they it was all hush hush in the way that they they had conducted themselves on creating the constitution. And so, in three and a half months, they have they created the shortest national constitution, and 
still to this day it still stands so it is the longest and the sh- uh the longest standing and the shortest written constitution some fun facts for you guys um but it wasn't until uh june 21st 1788 that it was ratified by the necessary nine states the last state to actually sign on was rhode island of the 13 original three or 13 rhode island was willing to go to a civil war when uh, when uh, over over the constitution as it was originally written why would you ask that why would they be willing to go for a civil war because the bill of rights was not in existence at the time and so there were many framers there were many people uh in the discussion there were inside the room and of course the populace outside that said it's great that you have this framework for a government to be created but we have we have rights and we've learned this from the king that we don't want these rights to be infringed upon we don't want these rights to be taken from us and so we need to have these written out and so rhode island i i i can't believe i'm saying this but bravo rhode island congratulations rhode island for having a spine and stepping up and saying i'm willing to die for rights and so just a few years later in 1791 so another 13 years weird how we have 13 13 13 uh 13 colonies took them 13 years after the declaration of independence to uh, ratify the constitution and then another 13 years in order to pass the bill of rights um and the bill of rights originally was 19 amendments that was supposed to be sent in once it got passed through the house it was down to i believe it was 17 and then once it got through the senate the senate actually sent out 12 amendments to the states so the original bill of rights that was sent out to the states to be ratified there were 12 of them so the first amendment that we know of as today was actually was the third amendment the first two amendments the first amendment was uh discussing the number of house of representatives had that amendment been passed we may have five thousand house of representatives right now but it of course was shot down the second amendment that was supposed to be in the bill of rights was actually is now the 27th uh which discusses the pay of congress um <clears throat> so it's really interesting to see how that would have played out had we had it um but of course you know the, these are some of those uncommon known things of the the constitution itself um and then of course the oldest signer of the de- or of the constitution or the oldest delegate for the constitution was actually benjamin franklin at 81 years old 81 years old now if he lived to be 81 right and then he had a child that lived to be 81 you know or somebody was born the day that he died and lived to be 81 and then another person to 81 that would actually bring us up to about here really interesting how short of a country we've been and how well this constitution has actually been in place um i wouldn't say that in use of course because of the the preceding discussion that we've had on this um but the youngest was also jonathan dayton of new jersey and he was a a mere 26 years old um checking out the uh facebook comments or sorry the youtube comments i 
think somebody said that they missed Kelsey, and so uh, I'm going to ask the, the moderators go ahead and handle that person. I do have, just so you guys can see, this was the beer that she rocked. And let's just say it's not very much longer than mine. <laughs> but there it is. Jimmy is making a good point. We actually know somebody that is a descendant of the youngest um, delegate to the Constitution. <clears throat> All right, let me go through the comments. Uh, Cajun Libertarian, welcome in, my good sir. Scott, welcome in. Um, John Locke inspired the Bill of Rights, but the Bill of Rights originally protected the government, not the individual. I'm not I'm not I haven't I haven't seen that rendition um which is maybe interesting I would love to see more information on that um but what I want to do tonight is I want to talk about what the purpose of the constitution was because the constitution right if you can think of it um put yourself in in the in the shoes of the framers of the founders um, the Constitution was going to be creating a government that was going to sit over all of the states. And and so they wanted to create a government that would be able to handle interstate um, problems. They wanted to have something that would be there for the national defense, whether it was 13 states and now we have 50 states um it was it was a centralized being that was going to be very very limited because they were concerned with what the king had been doing they were concerned about what big government had been doing and and yes we had some monarchists there we had some some very big government uh ideals um that were being shared throughout this but the middle ground the middle ground is where the constitution was and it's so interesting because that was originally middle ground for so many people um but yet now now, as society has continued to develop, as culture has continued to change, um, the Constitution is a radical idea. Because when we talk about rights and we talk about them in an absolute way, we've had where Supreme Court decisions have have broken these down to and tiered out what your rights are to to say, well, you know, your right to privacy doesn't really matter in X or circumstance or in X situation. Um, you know, giving blanketed authority over the uh, for police officers to do a stop and, uh, you know, a DUI checkpoint of saying, you know, well, everyone who's driving down this road, you have you have blanketed authority to be able to stop people, to check them out, to check them out in the pursuance of safety. And of course, everyone always thinks of the Benjamin Franklin quote of um, those who would give up a little liberty for safety. Um, deserve neither and will receive neither. Um, but <clears throat> enough on, I, I, I digress on that point. Um, and so, so there was a, a very limited, uh, number of authorities that were delegated to the, hold on one second. Let me, let me fix that. Apologize for that. I saw it was actually was popping up on the microphone. I, it, as much as you guys want to hear about a two year old and her her potty training, um, and and so so we wanted to give them very enumerated 
authorities that were delegated to them delegated of course means something that you possess that you give to somebody else right and that doesn't mean that you give it away and it's just yours to have unlimited control with and everything else it's actually something that you can take back um but in the way of the compact and the way that it was written right these are these are things that are more just given to them um but it doesn't mean that it hasn't been abused and so when we look at the Constitution itself, right, there are uh, there are seven articles within the Constitution, and each article is a different grouping of, of how it's structured, right? Article one, of course, is all about what Congress can do, right? Your House of Representatives and your Senate. Your article two is your presidential, right? Your executive branch. What can the executive branch do? What powers do they have and what how do they function, Article three, of course, is the judiciary. Uh, so we're talking about Supreme Court and, and subsidiary courts. Um, if we get to Article four, that's the one that I'm I'm, I'm a little more weak on, um, and I really should have gone into this. But this one, this one's talking about like citizenship. This is talking about um, how how new states coming in, and how in there also it says that basically. The states are not allowed to just decide their own form of governance from from what we have. So we won't be able to allow for like California to become a, a dictatorship. Um, we won't allow for for South Carolina to decide um, just a. a, a I can't even think of another one right now, but um, we don't allow or yeah. So, so for it to just to go full fledged communism, if you will, there has to be this, this similar structuring in the way that it goes. Um, Article five, of course, is the amendment process. This is something that um, this is what gives the teeth to the point of when people say the constitution is a living, breathing document. Yes, it is because we have an amendment process means that we can change it. It's not, it's not just, it's not written in in stone or scribed in stone. And that's the way that it's going to be, but we can actually continue to work to amend it. And so we do have um, people attempting to do an article five, uh, convention of the states where the states can actually start an amendment process in order to try to con- control a little bit of government. Um, and I'm sure that we will have discussions in the future over what article five convention of states wants to do, um, how their, their, um, how their solutions, if you will, or amendments to the constitution is actually going to curtail big government. Um, and, and so we'll dive into that in the future. Um, article six, of course, is, is kind of just bringing everything together, but it also, my, one of my favorite clauses of course is article six clause two, which is the supremacy clause itself. Um, which just basically says there's a hierarchy, right? There's something that is superior across the land, and it's not the federal government, it's not the state government, it's not it's not this person, it's not Joe Schmo, but it actually it actually brings it all together. And um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and read it for you guys. This constitution and the laws of the United States which shall be made in the pursuance thereof and all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States shall be the supreme law of the land. So that nowhere in there does it say that the federal government is supreme. Nowhere in there does it say the Supreme Court, the federal Supreme Court is, is supreme. Nowhere in there does it say that, you know, New Mexico is, or at that time, right, uh, 
South Carolina is the supreme. Um, this is just saying that the Constitution laws made in the pursuance thereof, treaties that are made in, within the confinements of what the Constitution allows, um, these are all things that are, are law of the land in the way that they function. This is what gives the Constitution teeth. This is what gives us the understanding understanding the rest of this constitution gives us the understanding of how the constitution actually functions when whenever we have a concern whenever we have an issue and and so as we as we discuss some of the other portions of the constitution as we continue talking it's important to reflect back that this is the supreme law of the land if a law is made and it is in the pursuance of protecting that or enshrining that portion of the constitution it too is the supreme law laws that go against are inferior and so when you have contradicting laws right you always have to follow the superior law rather than the inferior law which as somebody who believes that you have rights as somebody who believes you have natural rights created and endowed upon you by your creator regardless on if you're a religious person where it is your god that has endowed you with this or if you're uh, secular minded wherein your parents by merely creating you as a person you have unalienable rights and we have a constitution that enshrines those that when they're enumerated, especially when they're enumerated in the Constitution, that you have these rights and they should not be infringed unless there's an actual process, which is also enumerated within the Bill of Rights. And anything, anything that falls below that is abject failure. <sighs> and Article 7 is about the the ratification of it. So... A lot of good stuff within that. The U.S. Code contradicts the Constitution. Absolutely, it does. Let me go back and read through the comment section again real quick. Um, federal government should be an oversight committee, not the mass institution that it is today. I agree. Um, right now, it does not function the way that it is written. Absolutely true. Um, all right. Perfect. So tonight we're going to hurt some feelings, of course, because when when as I've already said, right, when Republicans or when Democrats bring up the Constitution, rarely is it rarely is it being brought up in a way of trying to help the other side understand of, of why it is that they're doing wrong, but rather it is used as a club just to say you can't do that and then an attempt to stop them right we saw this with when president trump was in office right we there was an attempt to use the emolument clause there was the attempt to use uh the 25th amendment there was a there was an attempt to say you know this thing is he's clearly unconstitutional we need to get rid of him um we have joe biden in office now right and and so you know as everything is coming about with covid right there's there's arguments that things that he is um um 
not forcing at the moment, but encouraging people to do that. People are saying you can't do that in the constitution, but rarely ever is it that, that people say, look, I'm going to bring forth this idea. I'm going to bring forth this bill. I'm going to bring forth this amendment or this law or this change or whatever it is that they're looking to, um, procure for the betterment of society. Do they say, and here's why it's justified within the constitution. It is it is used in the negative more often than it is used in the positive, and I think that that's one of the greatest failures that we have. Um, it, it, it's so tonight we're going to dive into some of these specific points, um, which will hopefully, as as somebody who is a lover of liberty, as as a self proclaimed libertarian, as somebody who has been um, fighting on the fronts of liberty in discussions when it comes to criminal justice reform, on healthcare reform, on education reform, on on societal reform, on cultural reform, on on um, economic reform, on all of these different reforms, right? I'm looking at it through the lens of what would it be that the, that, that the, the forefathers were worried about? Um, what are the timeless principles that stand? Because we'll see, as we discuss the bill of rights itself and other amendments that have come through, how some of these are absolutely timeless, um, and timeless in the way that as technology grows, it does not diminish um, the truth that is being espoused within these rights. Um, it does not diminish your ability to still have these rights or to be able to exercise these rights, regardless of whatever um, your politician on either side of the aisle is attempting to tell you. I got I to gotta figure out how to fix this. Oh, did I fix it? I did. No, I didn't. There we go. I want to have this up and I want to be able to still read your guys' chat as things go through. So, as I said, 13 years after the Constitution was ratified, we finally had the Bill of Rights put in place. And the 10 amendments that they decided upon, right, we have the First Amendment, which is one that a lot of people talk about. But, of course, there's five rights in there that are enumerated within the the, the text of the Constitution itself. Um, and that, of course, is that they will – Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, right? This is the freedom of religion. This is you being able to practice things. Um, of course, as long as you're not hurting other people, it, it shouldn't be an issue, Um without their consent, of course, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Sorry, I didn't finish that statement. Um, abridging the freedom of speech. So they cannot stop the, the freedom of speech. So when you speak, you're free to speak. This is something that government cannot infringe upon, even though we're getting into questionable territories as it has been government encouraging and utilizing Facebook uh, in order to censor no state-sponsored religion that as well yes um and then we also have in in article six of no religious testing which um that does bother a lot of people on the right as um i mean it even bothers people on the left right because um we had a judge judge at the time amy coney barrett who is a, a a catholic who had multiple children who was seemingly very pro-life and they wanted to use her Catholicism as as a justification of not allowing her to be a Supreme Court justice. Um, 
we have where where conservatives are concerned with Muslims becoming uh, representatives or or in in an office, and I'm not in. Let it be known that these are not blanketed statements, right? It's not every conservative. It's not every liberal. It's not every progressive. It's not every um, whatever, right? But there are groups of these individuals out there that are vocal about having a religious test of, of who can be in what office and why. Welcome in, Ronald. My name is Jason Lyon. I'm Mr. Merck of the Bearded Truth. Um, the right of people to peaceably assemble is the fourth right enumerated in the First Amendment. This one is one that we have seen so many issues on during COVID. Um, I remember as I was I was volunteering and helping out with the the the, the Joe and Spike Cohen campaign. Um, <laughs> Where just trying to allow for people to peaceably come together to listen to them speak, to listen to them talk, to listen to them engage with people regardless of where it was, this became an issue because safety was more important than your freedom to be able to make your own decisions around your own health and everything else, right? Um, So, and then of course... You have the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. This is one that um, is really important to me because the First Amendment is one in which I believe that qualified immunity itself fails on. So without diving too deep into qualified immunity, because we're going to have future shows on it, I promise you. I've got I've got a great guy that's incredibly knowledgeable that has inspired so many children, so many adults, so many elderly um, on this issue um, that I hope that he's going to accept my invite when it comes about. But <clears throat> what this what how qualified immunity fails on this is qualified immunity itself is for government officials and for police officers who are government officials. So I repeat myself, um, they are prohibited from civil lawsuits or they are protected from civil lawsuits, um, in, in special circum or circumstances. It sounds to me like we should probably allow for those redresses of grievances to be heard. And then maybe if if the courts deem them to be unfit of winning, then the courts can do what the courts have been doing. Anyone? Bueller? (laughs) So the First Amendment, incredibly important. Grateful for the First Amendment. Thankful for Rhode Island willing to, uh, threatening to go to a civil war over ensuring that we had the Bill of Rights enacted. Um, amendment two, this is one that we are seeing a lot of discussions on. We see this one a lot more whenever it is a Democrat in office and it becomes a, a, it becomes a floor mat when Republicans are in office. Um, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state and the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So a well-regulated militia shall not be infringed. 
being necessary to the freedom of state or security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Both of these things. Um, where there's a lot of context that is missing from this is that we use the terms of today. Well-regulated. What does well-regulated mean today? Of course, it means that you have regulations on it. You have burdens. You have, you have hoops you have to jump through. You have to make sure that you're doing everything right. There's plenty of things that are prohibited in the way of you being able to have firearms and everything else. But well-regulated back when it was written in 1778, actually 1777, when the Constitution was written, well-regulated just meant to make regular, uh, which means that it was the government was prohibited from enacting barriers, from making hoops for people to jump through, to, to get in into being a part of the militia or allowing for the militia to exercise its rightful duty um, for for it being necessary to the security of the free state. Um, and of course, this also translates over to the right of the people to keep and bear arms because at that time, the militia was the people. It was all mostly um, privately owned weaponry, right? It was all it was all you had your own musket you had your own firearm you had cannons you had whatever it is right we even had um similar to what we would look at for like a a, what we would call a machine gun if you will a belt fed rifles where they had little handles and they would just crank those bullets out um so there there is so much there that there's a misconception and and don't get me wrong it is entirely on both sides um, because as I said, right, when a Democrat is in office, we are so concerned, right? The, the general populace is so concerned that guns are going to be outlawed. But when a Republican is in office, we, we often see it go silent. Um, such as when President Trump was in office, he um, created a new precedent wherein a president of the United States can write an executive order in order to change the legality of a firearm accessory. Of course, I'm talking about bump stocks. General comments around this is that the bump stocks are dumb, and I agree. Uh, bump stocks are bad, and I agree. Bump stocks are terrible. If you guys are using a bump stock, you're probably going to jam your gun. It's not going to be effective. You, it's it's just it's it's not a great tool. And so I I'll give them credit on those. So first of all, the government still has no authority, no no right, no rights delegated to it in order to to ban that. Um, and second of all, if it is so stupid, if it is so worthless, then there's no justification on why they should be taking action against it. Um, so not only can they not, but they shouldn't. And on top of that, as I said, it's a new precedent wherein the President of the United States can write an executive order and have an effect on your rights to keep and bear arms, which, again, shall not be infringed. Hmm. I wonder if President Joe Biden has any ideas on magazine size. Magazines are also an accessory, right? The only part of a gun that is really the part of the gun is the lower and the upper. If you want to talk about scopes, that's an accessory. You want to talk about the actual stock of a gun, that's an accessory. Things that you can change out, those are accessories. And and yes, I know you gunsmiths, I know, I know, 
I can already hear bootleg talking to me. Well, you could change out your upper. You could change out your lower. I, I get it. <laughs> but <clears throat> the point stands is that now we have a bigger fight to face. Thankfully, not even thankfully, the ATF did overturn that. They said, well, by definition, it's still a semi-automatic weapon, even with a bump stock, because it is still merely one bullet per trigger. And so, therefore, the definitional change made by the executive order is null and void. But it wasn't struck down on the premise of, of course, the Constitution, which, as we we said earlier in the show, Article 6, Clause 2, it is the supreme law of the land. Hmm. Janice uh, said she had to Google bump stocks are attachments that enable semi-automatic rifles to fire faster, almost like machine guns. Yes. Amendment three, which I am a part of the Third Amendment absolutist group because the Third Amendment is one that's not really being infringed upon, thankfully, right now. Um, and it doesn't really have any historical context in which it has been being violated. But no soldier shall in the time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. Some people would, would talk about uh, police using your private homes, driveways, etc. Um, on this. And, and I don't I don't know if I give it the, the, that full authority, but of course the... If you do not agree with the police officer using your yard, your your driveway, or or your private road as a as a means of of sitting out and waiting for somebody to violate the law in front of them, you can of course encourage them to leave, and they have to. <coughs> Amendment fourth, the Fourth Amendment. One of my favorites, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath of affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So this is where we have um, people um law enforcement coming through with search warrants right so they have to take their evidence that there's being a crime being committed to a judge the judge then says i agree that this is a, a enough of a probable cause and i i authorize you to go and search this house or this locker within this house, or this computer within this house, or this flash drive within this office or you know very specific as to what they're allowed to go in in and go into um that's how the fourth amendment is supposed to work but of course what we have and as i mentioned earlier dui checkpoints where anybody driving down this strip of road going this direction must be stopped and everyone must be questioned and if you turn around before then you're you're there's a probable cause because you didn't want to have that interaction and so therefore um they're justified in pulling you over and questioning you um as you go through of course they're, they're they've got to do a sniff test where they're checking to see if you're you're drunk or if you're intoxicated in any way um and this has been somehow has been bastardized through the system uh, to be tolerated and to be accepted a lot of issues with the fourth amendment as the um 
Patriot Act goes, um, where you get federal agents checking in on your, your stuff whenever they feel necessary, um, where we have the FISA court, um, or FISA court, where they have secret hearings and they get to f- just start tampering and and surveilling people um, with a with an incredibly high. I believe the last number I saw was a ninety seven percent approval rating of we would like to surveil this guy. Cool, rubber stamp, and on to the next one. Um, so the Fourth Amendment is be clearly being violated. So we have the First Amendment clearly being violated. The Second One clearly being violated. The Fourth Amendment clearly being violated. Um, Fifth Amendment: No person shall be held to answer for capital or otherwise infamous crime, unless on a presentment or indictment from a grand jury, except in a case arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia, when in actual service of wartime or in service in time of war or public danger. Um, the important part um not be deprived of life liberty or property without due process of the law and what's interesting about about due process what is due process well of course due process is um the innocent until proven guilty this is you know having those proper search warrants of being able to actually take um to extract evidence um in criminal prosecutions, um, having a right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed. Um, you know, you get to face your accusers, um, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have assistance of counsel for his defense. Of course, this is your Miranda rights. You have the right um you're under arrest you you have the right to remain silent anything you can will or can and will be used against you in the court of law if you cannot afford an attorney one will be appointed to you that was of course the sixth amendment a lot of that that i was reading is from the sixth amendment um and so we have a criminal process if we're going to accuse people of this um of a crime they have a process in order to go through this this is the due process of course in suits of common law where the value in controversy shall exceed twenty dollars this is one of the only times that a dollar amount is actually specified in the constitution but it's in the seventh amendment uh in where the value in controversy shall exceed twenty dollars the right of the trial by jury shall be preserved and no fact tried by jury shall otherwise be examined at any court of the United States than according to the rule of common law. So this is, of course, your civil courts. Your Eighth Amendment. This one is just recently got hit on from criminal asset forfeiture. Um, excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. Um, the important part of that one, of course, is that the not excessive fines imposed. Um, I believe that this would have been a very strong argument when it comes to Affordable Care Act, because there were people who couldn't afford to have health care or health insurance because of uh, a lot of government dealings and a lot of government protection and a lot of government monopolies and a lot of government just just government doing what government does best with any market um and that is utterly destroyed for the general populace to be able to to obtain it and to to have good quality services be rendered and everything else um 
But when you have people who couldn't afford to get health insurance and they were being fined for that, right? This is the individual mandate, um, which thankfully is being challenged right now. But this is this is just that. And as I alluded to with the civil or the criminal asset forfeiture case, um, it was Timbus versus Ohio, wherein a man who had a couple grams, maybe maybe a couple ounces of marijuana priced well under $10,000 worth of marijuana had an $80,000 truck seized and forfeited um, as a result of this and through fighting all the way to the Supreme Court he was he showed up one day from from work went home and there was his truck absolutely shocked and 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 in awe at the fact that he had his truck back um <coughs> so it's it's these are all things that, as I said, right, as we reflect back on this, these are all things that are timeless. They don't generally, other than weird old number seven, um, they don't talk about specific numbers. Um, they talk about just a philosophical point here. Um, and then, of course, you have two of my favorite, the Ninth and Tenth Amendment. The Ninth Amendment, the enumeration of the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. This is a blanket statement wherein, look, we've enumerated seven amendments and we discussed the rights of the people. We've discussed the fact that people have rights. But the Ninth Amendment says we probably missed some doesn't mean that they don't exist doesn't mean that you still don't have those rights so you still have these rights even if the constitution doesn't bring them up the right to not be forced to take a vaccine the right to determine what goes in and out of your body the right of travel right no one should be stopping you from traveling freely right this is this is one that the Supreme Court has even ruled on. You have a right to travel. Nowhere in the amendments does it talk about you as a person, as an individual, have the right to move about um, as you see fit. Now, of course, if you're being detained by police officers, they have to give you a, a justification as to why they're detaining you and et cetera. And, and there's a process there. In some cases, it is absolutely um, correct. In other cases, you know, it's, it's somebody's somebody's having a bad day uh in the 10th amendment of course the power is not delegated to the united states the the power is not delegated to the federal government by the constitution the powers that are not given the powers that are not granted the powers that are not enumerated within the constitution nor prohibited to it by the states or by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. That means that when we look at the Constitution, if a power was not delegated to, if it was not enumerated and delegated to the federal government through Article 1, through Article 2, through Article 3, and their powers that are enumerated within that, if it is not given to them, it is not theirs to use. It is not theirs to give. It is not theirs to embolden. It is not theirs to take from you. And this is why the amendment process of the Constitution is incredibly important. Because if you want the federal government to do something, 
and it's not enumerated, you have to enumerate it. You have to provide it with that blueprint. If the Constitution was something to be respected, if the Constitution was something to be adored, if the Constitution was to be the constraints as the intention of the state's compact as it was. But as we as we dive into the rest of the Constitution, of course, we will see that this has been an abject failure. And since the Bill of Rights, the 10 First Amendments, of course, we have now 27 amendments. Some of them are good. Some of them are fantastic. Some of them are great. And some of them have undermined the process of the Constitution or of the federal government. Some of them have undermined the right of the people. And of course, I I think a lot of people instantly go to the 16th Amendment. That's the 21st. (laughs) Uh, The 16th Amendment. So the 16th Amendment, of course, is... The Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment among the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration. I'm always concerned with that or enumeration because we do have a progressive tax income tax, right? The more money that you make when you hit a certain dollar amount, the money make after that is taxed at a different rate. So there is an enumeration there. Um, And I believe that the way that they've construed this is that it's not is I I couldn't give you a good logical reason as to how they justify it. I think it's more of a feelings based of uh, they've got more so we could take more. Um, But yes, so we have that one, which is a a terrible one. I would love to see the 16th Amendment be removed because somebody making an income does not mean that you have income for everyone else. Right. Does not mean that you have income for the for the for the country or for the states. Right. Um, I believe in a fair tax. I believe in a fat uh, and a VAT tax. Um, I believe in in taxing on on expenditures rather than revenue. Um, another one that I have I have great issue with is the 17th Amendment. The 17th Amendment was changing the way that senators, U.S. senators, um, were being elected. So before what we had, Article One powers, right, Congress, you had the House of Representatives. These were the House of the People. This is why it was the biggest body within Congress right now with uh, uh, 435 members. You had so many people there because they were representing the people. And then the Senate was two representatives from each state. And they were to represent the states. And so your state representatives, your state senators would actually elect U.S. senators. And then you had the national representative, your president of the United States. And this, of course, was voted upon by the states within a a democratic um, election underneath it, right? So within your states, you had the popular votes, and then those were were casted into electoral votes, and those electoral votes went for the president. And and I'm sure a lot of us have already already heard way too many discussions centered around the the electoral college. But I promise you guys, future shows, we will cover this. I realize we're going to go way over time today. Hopefully, you guys are ready for this. 
Um, <coughs> so what the 17th Amendment did was it took the state's power at the uh, at federal Congress, and it took it away entirely. So now you have a popular vote for senators um, across the state, and you have a popular vote within districts for your House representatives. So we've moved from what was a Democratic Republic to a Democratic House, a Democratic Senate, and now we have a movement. We have, yeah, COVID. Uh, we have a movement that I'm sure we've all bared witness to of an attempt to make it to where the president of the United States becomes democratically elected as well, right? Based off of popular vote across the nation. This, of course, will empower big states and and take the Midwest and, and take smaller states and just say, we don't care about you. You got to rule the way that we're telling or you're going to have to live by the rules that we're telling you that we're going to give you. Right. I'm sure we can sit here and we can talk about um, a lot of the atrocities that happen um, under direct democracies. And I'm sure that'll be another discussion just as well. Man, tonight is just opening up the opportunity for future discussions. Hope you guys are ready for this. But there were also good amendments as well, of course. Um, The 15th Amendment. The right of the citizen of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Of course, the servitude is no longer really applicable. Um, Yes, people are still being enslaved to this day. um, But yes. Um, but, But you cannot be stopped from voting based on your race color which is fantastic right allowing for everybody to vote um we also had i'm blanking on the which amendment it is and i don't want to sit here and read all of them but we also have the amendment for for women to vote right because if we look back to the declaration of independence there was a line in there that i believe in the line I believe in the intention of the line, um, but when it was put into practice at the time, it was it was terrible because it didn't live up to its own words. And that, of course, twenty third. Thank you so much. Um, is that all men are created equal? In in and in reference, right? I, I can already hear a feminist like getting mad at me, and I'm I'm sorry. This is this is just using general speak, but all men, right? That is all men, all women put together are created equal. This should have been, this could have been a much better country had we understood that when those words actually rang true. And as we continue to push forward of, of allowing for freedom of everybody, as we have pushed to allow for everybody to be equal because they all have the equal rights as we as we embolden that stance as we continue to work to break down barriers um, for people in different communities um, it is because we all can be better as if we all are in it together and certainly we are all in this country together and we can all be better together Um, i realize it's really better together but um 
but yes no absolutely we can be a better nation if we just find ways of working together but i i I think that there's a lot of of course we can discuss about the the different media sources we could talk about different politicians we could talk about different um economic thinkings and and um different atrocious views uh that people share that just drive division um that break us away from one another but i think at the end of the day when we have those hard hearts when we when we meet people where they are and we have these discussions of how we can lift each other up by just taking the shackles off of each other the world will be a better place our country will be a better place our communities will be a better place so enough on the amendments i got to get to some of the some of the important things whenever i talk about the constitution i always got to do some of the 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 house cleaning right we talked about what well well regulated meant but there's another term that is often bastardized. So understanding that from the 10th Amendment, that if it's not enumerated, it's not a given, it's not granted as an authority. Understanding that Article 6, Clause 2, the Supremacy Clause, that if it's not in the, if it's not in the Constitution or in the pursuance of the Constitution, it is not the supreme law of the land and there, therefore inferior and therefore shall not be followed. The preamble to the Constitution itself. We the people, which originally was we the people of New Hampshire, we the people of Vermont, we the people of Rhode Island, we the people, yada, yada. Uh, We the people of the United States. In order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, and provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessing of liberty, on ourselves and our posterity, which is future generations, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. The promote the general welfare is probably one of the most bastardized portions of the constitution between that and the commerce clause. The promote general welfare is everything within the constitution. If we want to promote welfare, right, we need to allow for well-regulated markets, well-regulated states, well-regulated communities, well-regulated intervention or innovations, well-regulated everything. And of course, I'm not using today's term of well-regulated, but rather but rather the terms used in 1778 to allow for people to be free to be able to make those innovations for people to be able to partake in commerce interstate commerce which is as i said the other one that gets bastardized to allow for people to make trades to allow for people to engage with one another for people to to care for one another to love one another to be compassionate for one another and so Throughout the rest of the Constitution, all of these things are are spelled out and enumerated what the federal government is to do. And all of these things are in line with attempting to establish justice, to ensure that we have domestic tranquility, to provide for common defense, and of course, to allow for the general welfare. 
This doesn't mean to provide the general welfare. This doesn't mean to go out and take from everybody in order to give them crumbs. To send our troops off to fight for other nations' interests. It means that our government was supposed to be limited in the way that it functioned. And when it was used, when it was needed, when it was necessary, that it would go out and help break down barriers to allow for people to thrive. We have missed this mark so far. And this country is is on the verge. If you don't see it now, give it another decade. Give it another two decades. It will be in your face. We're coming we're coming to dark times in this nation. Not not be not not to not to say that this is this is because of us, but this is because of us. This is because we we don't have a limited government. We've allowed for a tyrannical government to continue to reign over us. We've allowed for the Constitution to become a floor mat. So what powers do does Congress actually have? Well, if we go through Article 1, we can find out, you know, how they're fo- how they're structured, how they're formed and everything else, but Really, Section 8 is the important one, right? This is the power of the purse section, if you will. This is what Congress can, can um, you know, as it says, uh, shall have the power to lay tax, lay and collect taxes, duties and imposts and excises, to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. But all duties, imposts and excises shall be made uniform throughout the United States. So when they want to provide for the common defense and they want to provide for the to 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 pay the debts for the general welfare of the United States. What does that mean? Well, of course, it's everything following in Article 1, Section 8. Borrow money on the credit of the United States, regulate commerce with foreign nations, regulate again, right? To make it where you can have that. Um and among the several states and with the Indian tribes to establish uniform rule of naturalization, to coin money, provide for the punishment of counterfeiting the securities and the current cash of the United States, to establish post office and post roads. Where we're going, we don't need roads. But they needed roads. To promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing for limited times to authors and inventors the exclusive right to their respective writings and discoveries. So this is intellectual property. To constitute tribunals inferior to the Supreme Court. So to create tiered courts, right? So instead of just everything going to the Supreme Court, you you have all those um, underlying uh, courts that you have to go through. To define and punish piracies and felonies committed on the high seas and offenses against the law of nations. Here's one that has been incredibly ignored. To declare war, grant letters of marquee and reprisal, and make rules concerning captures on land and water. To declare war. To declare war. World War II was the last time we declared war. How many wars have we been in? 
So my question, of course, on this is that when we look at the authorized use of military force or AUMF, is that really in the pursuance of the Constitution where a president of the United States can get us into a conflict? And when Congress comes together, creates a resolution to pull us out of supporting the genocide ongoing in Yemen since 2014, and the president of the United States is able to say nay and veto it, such as what President Trump had done, is this truly in the pursuance of the Constitution? To raise and support armies. To provide and maintain a Navy. Oh yeah, Navy. To make rules for the government and regulation of the land and naval forces. Provide calling forth the militia. Organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia for the governing and part of them to be employed in the service of the United States. Legislative in all cases whatsoever. And to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into the execution the foregoing powers. The foregoing powers and all other powers vested by this constitution and the government of the United States and all other powers vested by this constitution and the government of the United States. So when Congress decides that they won't, they see the people hurting and they decide to send you money. I'm not saying that it's not a good gesture. But I'm saying that there's a fantastic book on this. The book is called Not Yours to Give. And this book is about the Davy Crockett as he was a member of the house. And as he was strolling about his streets, he uh, ran across a man from his community who was a voter of his in the past. This man's name was Bruce Orr. And he said, Bruce, looking forward to your vote again this this upcoming election. And Bruce said, I cannot vote for you. Cannot vote for you, Davy Crockett. Taken aback, he asked why. He said, it's not yours to give. Not yours to give? What possibly could you mean? Well, I'll let you guys read it and find out. You guys can find this on YouTube. It's an incredibly short read or a short listen. Um, I think it was only like 20 minutes long. Um, maybe maybe 40 minutes. Not yours to give. Incredibly moving story about the constitutionality of what a member of Congress can actually spend their money on. Hmm. So there's Congress. So if we looked at how Congress has been spending their money, do you think half of it is constitutional? Three quarters of it? Sorry, I went the wrong way. Do you think a quarter of what they spend is constitutional? No. They failed us. As we sit and struggle in $28 trillion in debt, it's because Congress. Congress kept putting up bills. They kept funding their own pet projects. They kept funding other nations. They kept funding 
social programs that was never there that they were never empowered to do they keep funding all these different projects both home and abroad without ever being challenged to their constitutionality supreme courts have ruled not using the constitution but using their own feelings because they too are people and that's why for me this was one of my biggest falling into becoming a a absolute principled libertarian was because i read the constitution from cover to cover day in and day out i would i would i would be sitting if i could be honest with you guys early on in my podcast days i was sitting talking with a couple podcasters on a Skype call, we would just sit there and brainstorm and just chat it up and talk about like current events and, and just pick each other's brains and, and try to come up with better content. And they'd realized that I'd gone silent for about 30, 45 minutes. I was sitting there with a constitution in my hand, reading it. And I kept challenging myself. I just, I, I realized we've gone so far away. From the principles that our founding fathers put in the Constitution to limit the government, to ensure that the people would be free, to ensure that their liberties were protected because of a couple percent tax on tea was the was the boiling was the was the boiling point for them. And they said, You shall not infringe upon us. That we have a right to freedom of speech. And our government said no. That we have a right to peaceably assemble. The government said no. That we have a right to carry and keep and bear arms. And again. Our government said no. And now. Our government is doing the same thing. And we say we have a right to our privacy. Government says no. We shall not be excessively fine. <laughs> Government laughs. We have these rights and we've never delegated them to you. We have them now. We have the largest government in world history. We have the shortest constitution. Enumerated powers delegated to our government. Currently the longest standing government. And it's the largest in the world. Largest in world history. So I know when I speak about the Constitution. There's a lot of great information in here. There's a lot of things that you can take your perspective I would love to have, yeah, the BSL. The BSL, if you will. There's a lot of great information in here. And there's a lot of good stuff in here that can really fine-tune your perspective on, on your look into how government deals. And it, it bothers me. It, it, it truly does create turmoil inside me. 
as we see so many people on the Republican and Democratic side say that they value this very thing, but when it when you put it in front of them and you say you're advocating against this document that you said you valued, when you put it in front of a politician that has to swear an oath to this Constitution, and it falls on deaf ears consistently, that I'm, I'm fearful for, for the future. We're in a bad, dark place right now with the way our government is. And I'm fearful for just how bad and dark it can really get. So this is one of those, I mean, if you guys have taken the time to read this, there's so much information in the Constitution that um, we are for sure going to be having diet diving much deeper into specific topics we'll talk about supreme court cases we'll talk about when they got it wrong we'll we'll talk about when their when their decisions were just entirely arbitrary and feelings based uh korematsu versus united states of of the supreme court ruling that you can intern somebody based on on their heritage you're half japanese we can intern you find that in the constitution So we will take time for sure to discuss the Constitution so you guys can be better equipped. And when you guys are talking to people who want to use the Constitution as a club against their enemies, but want to ignore it when it's in front of them. But we can use it as leverage in order to continue to have these discussions and bring people to the side of it truly is a problem that our government has gone the way that it is. But I've taken up enough of your guys' time tonight. I, I want to say thank you again for coming on. I love you guys all. I appreciate you guys all. And I hope that you guys are going to be tuning in for the rest of the week as Muddy Waters is the Monday through Friday show that Matt and Spike have been hoping for for so long. I'm so excited to see the continued growth and the continued push forward as as everyone on this platform continues to produce great content continues to interact and and engage with each and every one of you and i love you guys all i appreciate you guys all thank you guys all so much for your interactions on the stream tonight thank you guys for for sharing this out when you guys have and uh if you're on the podcast and listening later i love you just as much as the people who who were here live and um i mean let's let's continue the good fight fight the right cause and make good pushes and make good changes we can do it love you guys i i will be back next monday night 8 p.m eastern i am of course mr murk the bearded truth jason line and of course throughout the rest of the week with the exception of friday 8 p.m eastern is a good time to catch most of muddy waters media with the exception of I believe it's 9 30 9 30 friday nights you can catch the uh bayous from bayous to igloos so Monday night's Mr. Merck with the Beard of Truth. Tuesday night is Muddy Waters Media with Matt and Spike. Wednesday is Spike Cohen himself on My Fellow Americans. And Thursday nights, of course, the writer's block with Matt. So with that, I will catch you guys next week. I appreciate and love you all. And I'll see you guys soon.